Why is Bitcoin valuable? Is Bitcoin more valuable than gold? What is the real use of Bitcoin? Does it even matter if Bitcoin has mainstream adoption? And of course, how high can Bitcoin go? Today, I sit down with BitBoy, whose real name is Ben Armstrong, to uncover the opportunities in Bitcoin that may help you make an informed decision when it comes to investing in Bitcoin and other crypto assets for that matter. My name is Kiana Danielle. I'm the founder of the Invest Diva movement, and you've tuned into Diva on the Block, where we take you to the back streets of this whole Bitcoin blockchain and crypto shenanigans to help you get a better understanding of what really is going on and how you can take advantage of it. Make sure to stick around till the end to learn about BitBoy's biggest mistake in his life, his biggest mistake about Bitcoin, how you can avoid these types of mistakes, and of course, silly faces. Go ahead and let me know down in the comments what you think of BitBoy's analogy on Bitcoin, what you think the value of Bitcoin really is, and what you learned from his mistakes that almost got him killed. If you're new here, make sure to click on the subscribe button, of course, like and share this with anyone you think that will benefit from it. Now let's go say hi to BitBoy and let's rock the block. Mr. Ben Armstrong. Yeah. And well, I glad, that, glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very excited to have you. It looks like you are one of the people who went on the moon or something. What's happening around there? Are yeah, you we've been to- been to the moon a couple times. Uh, but uh, we're, we came back to Earth, but now we're finally about to go on our next, uh, you know, expedition. All right. Are, are you taking uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX or are you just going with, uh, with the flow like last time you did, apparently? <laughs> no, he's, he, he's heading to Mars. Okay. I'm just going to the moon and I'm happy to the moon. And, and you know, I'm going on, uh, I guess, Apollo 74. I think is gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, very, very important stuff that we gotta. <laughs> I, I bet the reason why, I mean, of course, it's cliche, it's the last name that has brought the attention. Everyone is asking you, are you related to Armstrong? Armstrong? Uh, right, yeah. So, yeah, d- definitely a coincidence. Uh, Neil Armstrong, not related to me, has the same last name. Uh, but, you know, in crypto, we're always talking about going to the moon. So, you know, definitely fits. Uh, you know, we're waiting for crypto prices to go out of Earth's orbit, you know. That's that's the hope. <laughs> that absolutely is the hope. So, Ben, what should I... Uh, first of all, call you because I know that you came in. First of all, you started out with a mask. You're hiding behind the mask. Now you have your <laughs> face out there so people can see you. So what is the proper way to call you? Yeah, well, you can definitely call me Ben. Um, people do call me BitBoy. That is definitely a, a name that people refer to me as. So BitBoy is actually a cartoon character that I created uh, with hopes of having his own you know, animated cartoon one day. Uh, but eventually, when people come on my channel, they would call me BitBoy. So that's just kind of how it came about. I'm obviously, I'm 37 years old. So it's You're a little so odd old. people call me a boy, but I know I'm ancient. I'm so old and they call me BitBoy. But, you know, that's just, you know, one of those nicknames that, uh, you know, I didn't really ask for, but here it is. Hey, <laughs> so. I'm 35 and they call me Diva. So there you there go. You go. <laughs> so BitBoy, listen. I know your story is fascinating, but before we get into there, our audience are people who are like, okay, why Bitcoin? What is this whole thing about? Who are these people? Like, it's kind of completely foreign to them. 
So I wanted to go back to where you got started. What got you excited about Bitcoin and then kind of take it from there? Yeah. So, you know, for your listeners or, or your viewers, you know, the thing that I want to get across is that I made a lot of mistakes when I first got into cryptocurrency. Um, and so my hope is for people to hear this, to understand what Bitcoin is, what crypto is, and the opportunity that is in front of you right now. Because I got into Bitcoin in 2012, which is much earlier than most people had ever even heard of it. Uh, I got in through, I just kind of lucked into it where uh, I was buying an online software and the software violated the terms of service of this website. It was an auto poster for Craigslist. I was posting like 800,000 ads a day uh, with this auto poster. And so I needed it for my business. I was selling event tickets, concert tickets, and things like that. And then all of a sudden, Craigslist sued this company. The company had to take down their website. They lost all their payment processors. And so the guy decided to switch to taking Bitcoin. And he required us to make our monthly payments on the software with it. And I was like, what is this? Like, this is crazy. And so what happened is, is over about a year period, I bought, you know, a lot of it and I was selling it and I had some, uh, or I was uh, using it to pay for the software. And then at some point, like overnight, it seemed like overnight, it was probably over a period of about two months. All of a sudden it was worth thousands of dollars. Like the small monthly payment that I had to make all of a sudden was worth thousands of dollars. And I was really excited about it. I was really excited to sell it, you know? And so I sold out uh, very, very early. I didn't know what I was looking at. I met a guy in a McDonald's and over the Wi-Fi, <laughs> which is probably not safe, uh, I transferred my Bitcoin to him and he sent me money for it. And I remember while I was there waiting for him to arrive, like trying to figure out what is this? Like I was looking at the blockchain, trying to figure out who Satoshi Nakamoto was, the creator. Like I thought it was some guy in Japan, like a lot of people thought back then, uh, you know, and, and things like that. But I couldn't grasp what I was looking at. I, I could not grasp and, and see the future of where Bitcoin was going to go. And so because of that, I sold out way too early. The amount of money that I put into Bitcoin early on would have been worth millions, but instead I sold it for, you know, several thousand dollars. And I was excited about that at the time, but now looking back, it was one of my biggest mistakes. So one reason why I run my channel and the message I try to get across to people is learn what this is and learn what it can do for the world. Because if you truly understand it, then there's so many great financial opportunities, uh, you know, available with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general. So did you get your aha moment about the value of Bitcoin at the Bitcoin rally in 2017 or was it before that? You know, it's funny uh, because my friend, uh, it was the same day I sold the Bitcoin. I remember the same day I sold it. My best friend and I had a conversation. This would have been uh, in uh, November of 2013. We had a conversation like, man, it was great. This Bitcoin went up to that amount, but what if there's some kind of investment we can make somewhere that could just make us, you know, rich beyond our wildest dreams. And I didn't realize I had just sold it. You know, I had just sold that investment that could have, you know, uh, you know, been worth millions down the road. Uh, so for me personally, I watched Bitcoin all throughout that time. I watched Bitcoin from 2013 all the way to 2017. There were several points along the way where I got in and then got out, got in and then got out. But because I didn't really believe in the larger picture, um, the big picture idea of Bitcoin, it wasn't something that was really ready to just put all of my you know, effort and believe into. And yes, my aha moment was in 2017 when I started doing the math of how much money I should have, uh, you know, if I wouldn't have sold and how much more money I could have put into it, it during the last several years 
and I miss the opportunity. So, you know, that's why I try to preach and teach to people about don't miss this opportunity. You know, this really is the largest, uh, you know, could be the largest redistribution of wealth that we'll ever see in our lifetimes or even beyond that. So I'm sure you get this question a lot that, okay, that was a one-time thing. Bitcoin price went up to 20,000. What makes you so certain that Bitcoin is going to go back up and it is worth holding on to? And then I'm going to get to a question about, okay, why just Bitcoin? Are you also into other cryptos? Well, that's the next question. Let's get to the first question first. So the market is cyclical. So one advantage of me getting in early was I have been able to watch the market for a long time. And, it, you know, the price certainly went up to $1,000. And then we had a bear market, uh, you know, back in 2000, uh, you know, in 14, 2015. We had Mt. Gox that crashed, which is a whole nother story. But I was able to watch it throughout that entire time. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, even though I wasn't super invested at the time, I, I, I was watching it and just paying attention to, to where it was going. And it would go up and then it would go down. It would go up and then it would go down. Uh, and that's really given me an advantage over this last bear market is to be able to look and say like, okay, it's cyclical. We're going to have this run up again. The main difference between uh, you know, the bear market we're in now and the bear market that we were in in 2013 and beyond or 2014 and beyond is that in 2014 when Mt. Gox crashed in February that year, people thought Bitcoin was over. Like people thought back then that it was dead. And so now nobody has that question. Nobody believes that Bitcoin is just going to die. Now people believe a lot of other coins may die, but not Bitcoin. Like nobody believes Bitcoin is going to die anytime soon. And so that gives me confidence to believe that we're going to see the same thing. Uh, you know, and there's, there's things built into Bitcoin that make it more valuable, uh, such as what we're about to go through very soon, which is called the halvening. And for you guys that are not crypto mining nerds, basically what that means is that the production is going to get cut of Bitcoin and it's going to make the price go up. So it's just kind of simple supply and demand. Like when you cut oil production, the value goes up. And so that's what we're probably going to see. And, and, and so we have mile markers every four years to kind of signal these cycles. And so we're, in my opinion, about to start the upswing in this cycle right now. Right. I mean, that is a great point. So let's get to, before again, we get into the other cryptos, actually, one thing that you mentioned got me thinking, you were talking about believing. And uh, I feel like in the cryptocurrency field where everybody's just, we're just so excited about crypto and we're like, okay, there is no doubt in, my, in our minds that Bitcoin is the granddaddy of all crypto and it's going to survive. But again, being somebody who's living here in Connecticut right now in the middle of nowhere with people who still are like, what is that bit thing we were talking about? They still don't know what Bitcoin is. I believe that when they're like hearing us talking about it, they're like, oh, believe, are you, are you kind of like Santa? Are you like saying, oh, you got to believe for the magic to continue? I feel like they are still kind of skeptical. So in um, really simple terms, why do you think there is this much value in Bitcoin and that it is not going to gonna die anytime soon? Well, sometimes I think I'm crazy. I, I do have that thought that comes to my <laughs> mind sometimes. I, I, sometimes I really sit back and say, like, man, because I've been putting so much time, I, this is my full-time job, is talking about cryptocurrency. Like, what if I'm insane? <laughs> and Bitcoin never goes up again. The, the price of all the markets doesn't go up and it disappears. Like, maybe I am crazy. But I don't think that's the case. I think that history is going to bear out 
that certainly those of us that are that adamant about this are, are going to be correct. And the thing to me that makes Bitcoin so valuable is when you compare it to gold, okay? Because when you compare it to digital currency, we have other digital currencies out there that are faster than Bitcoin. We have other digital currencies that are, are just more accessible, more easily spent. They have apps that already work where you can spend them in, in the high transactions. The network doesn't get clogged. Like you can kind of think of the Bitcoin network similar to like, you know, Visa's payment processing system. Like it has so many transactions it can do at a time. If all of a sudden, you know, the population of the earth went to like 10, well, not 10 billion, let's say it went to like 20 billion people and everybody had Visa, like what Visa has right now couldn't handle that amount of, of transactions. But with Bitcoin, right now where it's at, if everyone was using it all across the world, like it could not handle the amount of transactions it would take. There are other cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin Cash, uh, such as, uh, as Dash, Monero, all, all kinds of different projects that can actually scale faster for transactions. The thing about Bitcoin that really gets me is the rarity, the scarceness of Bitcoin. There's only going to be 21 million ever. We believe that 1 million of those coins are locked away forever because Satoshi, the creator of Bitcoin, owns those. We think those will never be spent. Now, it is possible those will come back into the supply, but most people agree Satoshi is dead. Uh, most of the candidates are dead or locked up. And so we don't think that's ever going to come back in. So now you're looking at there will only be 20 million ever. Right now, we're around 18 million of those uh, coins that are out. There's another possible uh, 4 million that have been lost forever from people that were doing early mining that just lost their Bitcoin over time because they didn't think it was going to be valuable. So the long and the short of it is the actual supply could be somewhere right now between 13 and 14 million. There's no other asset in the world where we know exactly how much there is. We know exactly how many Bitcoins there are. We don't know the exact amount that are actually circulating and being spent, but we do know the total supply. We do know the circulating supply. And because of that, it, it, it has a different component than anything we've seen. Like take gold, for instance. I mean, they say there's all kinds of gold under the seafloor that we can't get to because it's too, too you know, far beneath the surface. You don't think, uh, you know, in 100 years, people are going to be able to mine that gold? It'll happen. People believe in space mining. Uh, we're sending a, uh, a ship up to one of the moons of Jupiter that has supposedly enough gold on it to get, or an asteroid around Jupiter. Supposedly it has enough gold around it uh, to give every person on Earth $9 billion worth of gold. Now, we know supply and demand that wouldn't actually work, but that really adds to my point, which is, we don't know how much gold is out there. And the more gold you introduce, the cheaper, the lower the value goes. But with Bitcoin, we know exactly how much there is. And to me, that is something that separates it from anything we've ever seen. And I believe that eventually this is going to be the place where people are going to hedge against traditional markets. Uh, we're already seeing it somewhat. We're seeing it in countries that have a lot of turmoil. And so those are some of the reasons why I believe that Bitcoin is, is here to stay. And if you really look at Bitcoin as a as a hedge. If you look at Bitcoin as more of a store of value asset than as a currency, then there's really nothing that can knock it off. You know, if, if you want to go around and say, oh, it's a digital currency, you know, countries can come out with their own digital currencies. They can push, uh, you know, and push other narratives to, to push Bitcoin to the side. But to me, with the gold argument, it, it's going to stand the test of time, I believe.
Right. I mean, on top of that, just consider how easier it is to carry Bitcoin than gold and how heavy yeah. gold is. And you're going to be able to actually just carry, carry it in a, in a USB. And on top of that, the branding of Bitcoin, to me, comparing to other cryptocurrencies, is something that people may not even have heard of cryptocurrency, but they have heard of Bitcoin, mm, which is something that uh, probably is going to help it long term with the, with, the, with the mission and the movement. So what do you think, of, I mean, you, you, I understand that you're more into looking at Bitcoin as a sort of value rather than an actual mainstream usable um, currency. But we have been seeing a lot of mainstream adoption, like we've been seeing Bitcoin ATMs here and there, a lot of uh, retail categories are, have now added Bitcoin payments like Overstock, Newegg, Expedia, KFC in Canada. And uh, we have like things like uh, apps like Loli that if you spend money in any shop anywhere, you get uh, paid back in Bitcoin. So do you think uh, it is wise to even consider these mainstream adoptions as a positive thing, or we should just focus on looking at Bitcoin as a store of value? Well, when you're looking at all these other, you know, whether it's Bitcoin ATMs or, you know, uh, something like Lolly, I mean, the whole idea is stacking up the amount of Bitcoin you have. It's not, hey, let me get more Bitcoin to spend it. Uh, there is a, uh, I'm not sure if you know Jacob Canfield, uh, he, he is a big trader, a signal profits. He's an awesome guy. Used to have a channel called I love crypto. Now it's called Jacob Canfield. And he tells a famous story where he bought a mattress with Bitcoin on overstock.com back in 2014. During the bull run, that mattress in 2017 was worth $400,000. So the amount of Bitcoin that he spent a few years later could have been worth far more than the, than the actual value of that mattress, which was probably like, you know, $1,000, $2,000. And so that is, that's a hurdle for Bitcoin to overcome that I don't think it's going to be able to. A lot of your Bitcoin maximalists are going to say, well, people will use it as a store of value, but they'll also use it as a currency. That's just like, I could, you know, go up to you and say, hey, you know what? I really like that TV you have in the background. I have four ounces of gold. I'll give you that for that TV. And you'd be like, okay, that's a good deal, I guess. Maybe I'm coming out ahead. Like I could use it as a currency, but that doesn't mean that that's its optimum use. And so, you know, there's so many aspects, uh, you know, of adoption going on right now, but I think ultimately they all lead back to people are trying to stack their amount of Bitcoin because they know the price is going to go up because it is a good store of value. Right. I feel like this whole, um, in, in my opinion, when I see all these Bitcoin adoption, Bitcoin adoption uh, talk is that people are trying to, people who don't understand the value of Bitcoin are trying to find a reason to hang on to it. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't see any Bitcoin ATM then, therefore Bitcoin is not easy. I feel like it's a mindset that they don't, they, they don't still understand that, hey, Bitcoin is not, I'm not trying to replace the US dollar with Bitcoin. It's something, it's, it's something, it's a new category. Uh, it, we're not trying to make something better. We're trying to create a new category and that is cryptocurrency. And then Bitcoin is that category king, which is the reason why uh, Bitcoin has a value because every time any cryptocurrency, any, in, any category, in any category, let's say electrical car, what comes to your mind? Tesla. Tesla, like that is a category king. Uh, social media, what comes to your mind? Facebook, even though that was not the first one, the category king is the one that's going to crush it. 
And I believe Bitcoin is a category king in this case, but people are just trying to uh, use a different, come up with a different use case for it so that they can justify their fears. Uh, otherwise, they're not going to buy into it. Um, all right, so this was very valuable. I feel like supply and demand is like one of the most important things that people overlook when they when it comes to the value of bitcoin I, in fact i am probably going to use your uh uh thing uh my soon. but uh, um and now i want to go back to your story because we got a chance the other day when we were at uh what was it Cincinnati, Ohio. yeah the most boring town on earth <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about your background and you have you have come over overcome so many dark things no. and mm -hmm. i feel like now that people are uh hearing about you and they understand how awesome you are they want to know what the backstory is so can you tell us a little bit about your backstory if it's okay and i feel like yeah, that's going sure. to be empowering for people who are in the same spot that you were at back in the day and perhaps they can come along and uh take advantage of that yeah. So as I mentioned, I'm 37 years old, but you know, uh, I've got a family. I have a wife. I've got three kids. They are uh, four, six, and eight. Uh, some, sometimes it changes. It's like four, six, and seven. But right now it's easy because they're even years. They're four, six, and eight right now. So I love my kids. They're definitely awesome. Uh, I, I love being a dad, but there was definitely a time in my life where I was much different than I am now. So uh, we were go back to when I was 17 years old. I started using drugs. Um, you know, I, I didn't go through a recreational stage like a lot of people do. Uh, I went straight to addiction from the first day I started, you know, uh, smoking marijuana. I was doing hard drugs within a few months of that. And I was completely addicted to methamphetamines and then anything else I would do, anything I could put in my body, uh, you know, drug wise at, at that point I would do. So within less than a year of, you know, starting to do drugs, I was already, you know, full blown addict. And you know, it definitely was a lot of pain for my family. There were a lot of times that were, you know, very dark. Uh, there were times I tried to climb out of the hole. The longest I was sober in seven years was two months. Uh, and that was actually when I was, uh, I was 21 and I decided that there was no way I was going to be able to get off drugs on my own. So I was going to go into the Air Force. And so I went into the Air Force and I went to boot camp and I actually got kicked out the night before I was supposed to graduate for failing my drug test eight weeks before the first day I got there. So uh, went all the way through boot camp, and then I learned to be a little more of a responsible drug addict after that for a while. But a responsible it, drug addict. Yeah, right. I know it's kind of a joke, but um, I mean, in reality, I was able to be more functional after that. I was able to hold a job and pay bills and stuff, and still, you know, uh, I was the most dangerous kind of drug addict. Honestly, is a functional one because one day they just they're just dead, and you just had no idea, you know, or you might have known they were doing this or that, but you did not know the extent to what they were doing, and then one day they, you know, they wake up dead, and that pretty much happened to me. Uh, I had a, a overdose. I had been up for uh, six days. Uh, I was on uh, cocaine, meth, weed, and I had taken seven hits of acid. And I just went absolutely insane. Uh, I got arrested. Uh, and right at that point, I passed out. Uh, they had, you know, six cops had me on the ground. I was actually fighting the cops. Six cops put me on the ground, and then I passed out and went into a, a massive drug overdose. I almost died. Um, you know, I was in a coma for three days. My family had no idea where I was. Finally, like they knew something was wrong. Uh, they had found my car. It was just on the side of the road with all the doors open and stuff. And so they were able through a law enforcement family member we know able to come in and see me, even though I was, you know, I, I was unconscious uh, in the coma and things like that. And it was a very scary time for my family for sure. Um, but three days later, I did, I did wake up. 
And, you know, I just remember like the first thing I, I, I thought when I woke up was like, man, thank God I'm alive. Like, cause I knew all the stuff I had just been through. I, I had this feeling of I should have been dead and this is my second chance for life. And so I, I went to drug rehab and I was in rehab for 10 months. I actually stayed there for 10 more months and did uh, an internship. So I was there for 20 months total. I was able to wipe away all of my legal charges. You know, I had felonies and all kinds of stuff from the overdose. Uh, and all of those got dropped uh, to misdemeanors and some probation and stuff like that. And then after that, I went on to be the executive director of a drug rehab for teenagers uh, for several years. So I, I've tried to do my best to, uh, you know, share my experience with other people and to help them and let them know there's definitely a way out. There's definitely light at the end of the tunnel if you can just take it seriously enough. And so uh, last or two years ago in 2018, I transitioned, uh, you know, out of working in the drug recovery field into cryptocurrency. And even though like it doesn't seem like it's close to the same thing, to me, it's still all about trying to help people. And, you know, like I said at the beginning, it's all about helping people try to not make the same mistakes that I made. So that, that's really kind of been a theme of, you know, my adult life and things like that. And so, like I mentioned, now I'm a dad, have kids, got married uh, 10 years ago, and uh, life's been good ever since. How are you going to prevent your kids from going that route? I'm going to spank them. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I think that, you know, one of the things as a parent you can do is to be honest with your kids. And I think that being honest with your kids and telling them what you've been through, and, and they saw me for years working at the drug recovery place and telling my story a lot. So, you know, even at young ages, even if they, they don't know. really understand yet, yeah, they know. And so- uh -huh. Yeah. So without trying to hide that, I, I hope that that's going to help. But at the end of the day, they're their own humans and they're going to make their own decisions. So, you know, I've definitely seen other parents who have gone through recovery and then struggled with their kids having addiction. Uh, but we just try to at home build a loving family and just let them know that, you know, it, like I said, it's easy when they're four, six and eight not to do drugs, but to let them know that they can always be honest with us and we'll always love them and we'll always forgive them and, and be accepting of them. And Hopefully that'll, you know, be able to make a dent. And, right. And, Being a parent. And, and also get them, get them interested in things like sports and things like that, because that was somewhere, you know, long high school, I stopped playing sports and just kind of got lost. So. Right. No, I mean, the parenting, there is no one right way to do it. It's right. definitely just a, uh, learn on the way. So talking about being parents, um, how are you, are you involving your kids into crypto at all? Or are you, I don't know, funding their college with Bitcoin? Like, <laughs> is there anything you're doing uh, with crypto for the future other than being like a full-time Bitcoiner? Uh, as for usage of Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, are there anything, any tips that you have for parents out there? Well, my kids actually know pretty good about you know, pretty good amount about Bitcoin. There's actually a, you, I don't know if he's still making videos, but I think he was called the crypto kid or the Bitcoin kid. He was like a 10 year old kid that had a whole series of videos on Bitcoin and blockchain. Uh, I think eventually like uh, maybe his parents got him to like go more down the route of doing like, Hey, was that you reviews? when you were younger and you forgot when you went on coma? I'm sorry. I'm uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. Bitcoin wasn't around back then. So. It was 2007. But uh, anyway, so I let my kids watch all that kid's videos uh, because he explained it very, very, very simply so a kid could understand. So uh, our, my kids know a lot about it. They know a lot about different coins. I come back from crypto conferences and they're like, did you bring us something? Did you bring us a, you know, a Tron shirt or, you know, an, an Ethereum coin? Because, you know, little physical coins and things like that that they have a little collection of. Uh, but, you know, there's also a book, uh, How to Talk to Your Kids About Bitcoin or something. My wife just ordered it on Amazon the other day. So 
you know, we're, we're trying to teach our kids about financial independence and things like that. Uh, we do have crypto set aside for our kids, uh, you know, and, and things like that. But at the same time, I, I feel like it's, it's better if I still have access to it so I can trade it and make up more money, you know? Right. But wait, hold on. Talking about educating kids, what about your big boy character? Is that for kids or was it for adults who are like looking at hero books? Well, everything I do is family friendly. I don't, I don't do anything. Sometimes I have guests on my show that will use bad language and stuff like that. But everything across the board for me is family friendly because, you know, there, there was a recent quote on Twitter from a guy that said, you know, he'd, he'd done all of these different things, achieved all this stuff. And a guy asked him, was like, how did you do it? And he's like, well, I certainly didn't win any father of the year awards, you know, because he was always out doing other stuff. For me, I would rather win all the father of the year awards, you know. Um, so when it comes to creating content, I always make it family friendly and my cartoon is family friendly. So eventually, hopefully maybe during this next bull run, uh, you know, and there's more excitement, we'll be able to debut the cartoon. We have some scripts written and things like that. Uh, but we're just waiting for the right time to, to release it. So it is going to be family friendly. It's going to be educational, but it's also going to be entertaining, funny and things like that. I love cartoons. Like when I created my first course, I got into Forex back in the day. And my whole thing was making learning as fun and as cartoonish as possible because that is how kids learn. And that is how Absolutely. we as adults also learn because it's fun. Like learning through fun stuff is always better and it sticks to your brain much easier. And you don't, you don't feel like you're learning. You feel like you're having fun and you're getting some advantage out of it. Um, this was awesome. So thank you so much for being with us. You know that this is my new YouTube channel. You remember that day that we met on Cincinnati. I'm like, I'm going to go and create a new YouTube channel. Like, yes, I'll support you. So you, here you are Absolutely. supporting this new YouTube channel, right. hopefully with a new uh, Bitcoin bull run. We'll get it up and running. I mean, it is up and running, but it's still gain some momentum as well. I will appreciate any uh, support with you sharing and retweeting and all the things and everybody who's watching at home, sharing and retweeting and commenting all the good stuff so that uh, we get more people informed about what it is, this Bitcoin thing that is right at our finger fingertips and is just about to explode and we don't want to miss out on it for sure. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. People watching at home, thank you so much for watching. Make sure to comment below and let us know what you thought about this. I'll catch you again on the next episode of Beyond the Block. It's a tradition. We ask for a silly face. Oh gosh. Are we ready right now? Do I need to just do it? Dun dun dun. Go. Oh, that's pretty good. I like it. I, like I don't it. even know what it looked like because by the time <laughs> I, I looked, know, you'll, you'll see. You'll I see couldn't it. even see it. <laughs>